Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am delighted to be joined today by Liz Stible, a founder and managing officer of Proco Consulting, and in her busy days, also as co-founder and chief advocate at Professional Independent Consultants of America. Hi, Liz. Thanks for coming along today. Hi, Ben. I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for asking. How's life in San Francisco today? Oh, good. It finally stopped raining. We've had the longest, wettest winter ever. Not good. Liz, is it okay if we just jump right in? And I've got lots of questions because I'm, I'm really excited to hear some of your thoughts on things. Is that okay? Yeah, let's go. Good. All right. Can you tell us a little about yourself and your background? What brought you to this point and Proco Consulting? Well, first I need to say that I'm old, so I'm not going <laughs> to tell the whole story. Um, I'll just, I'll abbreviate. So, um, I've been in consulting in some form or another my whole postgraduate career, uh, so roughly, I don't know, 20, 25 years. And I fell into, I started my career at PwC Consulting, then I went internal for a while, then I fell into independent consulting. And then about 12 years ago, I was working as an independent consultant or a self-employed consultant with Clorox, makers of bleach and Clorox wipes and all those things. Right. And they had hired me to, as an independent consultant to help them implement a, um, a, a system and new processes for hiring independent contractors and consultants. Um, in the States, we call it vendor compliance. Yep. And basically, uh, you have to be set up as a business and go through all these hoops and hurdles in order to be paid like a business as opposed to being paid like a temporary employee. So I was on this project at Clorox and I was, felt like I was uh, parachuted behind enemy lines because here I was an independent consultant putting in this system and process that was going to make it practically impossible for people like me to work with Clorox in the future. <laughs> and about that same time, I started dating now still my partner, Henry, and he's an employment lawyer. And I started asking him all these questions and saying, well, there's got to be a better way than each individual consultant carrying all this insurance and going through all this nonsense, just, we just really want to do the work. We don't want to do all this administration. I said, so I have this idea for this business. What do you think? And he said, are you interested in me as to date or just for free legal advice? <laughs> <laughs> At least he's honest. <laughs> he was honest. And so was I. And I said, both. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, it's a really good idea. You should do it. So, um, so that was the, idea and the beginning of Proco Consulting. So when I founded Proco Consulting in 2009, and the original idea was that uh, I would help self-employed consultants with all of their back office administration. So um, the way Proco does its contracting and the way we have our company corporate insurance, multiple types of insurance, mm. it all covers people who contract through Proco Consulting. So now I represent about 75 uh, consultants across the United States. They all specialize in human resources or human capital in one way or another. Um, And so they don't have to carry their own insurance and we handle all the contracts and negotiations and all the back office stuff for them. 
So that was the, the original idea behind Proco. But then I quickly realized that um, the number one thing that self-employed consultants struggle with is, is finding work, business yeah. development. And so I started, um, and I, had, as a, an independent consultant, was, was getting leads that I couldn't fill, right, because my plate was full. So I started referring it to these other, these other consultants. So that's how consultant, uh, Proco Consulting ended up with two sides to the business. One is the original contract administration side, and the other is um, now uh, business development referrals and job leads. Um, yeah, so, uh, but as a result of handling both of those sides of the business, then I discovered that not only the two sides to the Proco business, it's also a two-sided market because I need, uh, I need consultants and then I also need clients. <laughs> so, uh, so it, it took a while. It was always like moving, moving one foot in front of the other. Like I, I represent a new consultant and then I go and find a new client and then I get another consultant and then I get another client. And it wasn't always in lockstep. Yeah. I mean, like for now I, I have represent 75 consultants, but I don't have 75 clients. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's really, it's been working and it's been growing, growing and growing. And now I have a support staff and uh, I no longer do consulting on my own. Uh, I did for the first six years. Right. Uh, and then, um, yeah, but it's, it's a different type of model here in, in the States. It's not an, it's, it's like a cross between a collaborative network and a talent agency. So we don't have partners of business development staff. Instead, when people give us a referral that says, hey, Facebook's looking for somebody who can do org design for their global IT organization, whoever sent that, gave me that lead gets the referral bonus. Um, okay. so, so that's how we keep our margins thin, and it's, it's all based on collaboration and word of mouth. I was definitely going to be asking about two-sided marketplaces because it could be really tough to implement those. So how did you get your first clients and consultants on board? Yeah, so basically through my personal reputation was how I got the first client. So that goes actually back my, uh, to this day, they're our biggest client. It's NetApp, a big fortune 500 tech company based in Silicon Valley. Uh, I started consulting with NetApp back in 1999 when I was still with PwC. And then they were my first client when I became self-employed. Um, I actually called a friend that worked there and I said, Hey, I'm leaving this internal job that I've had. Do you need any help? And he said, are you kidding? How soon can I get here? Uh, how soon can you get here? So that they were my first client when I was a self-employed single consultant. Right. And then when I, um, I continued doing work for them over the years. And then, so then when I incorporated Proco, I started contracting with NetApp as Proco consulting. And then I got on a big project with them and I said, I can't do this all on my own. Um, we're going to need somebody to handle this other piece of work. And so that was my first consultant that I represented under the Proco consulting. Hmm. And then I went back to my um, former client Clorox and I said, Hey, now I've got this business and I represent others. So then I started helping them find their consultants. Um, and so then, and then it's just, it's grown from there, both mostly through my own reputation, but then also the consultants that I represent will sometimes bring me a contract like, for example, uh, Deborah Glenn uh, contacted me. She says, hey, I've lined up work with Nike. I know there is no way that they're going to hire me as an independent business as one person. So will Proco handle the contract? So it, it, 
it was hard, but we did get certified as a vendor with Nike. Yeah. And now we do a boatload of work with Nike. Wow. So but it was all because Deborah brought that initial contact of me to me and we've developed the relationship and now we staff other consultants at, at Nike. Brilliant. So, but it's all based on reputation. So uh, if, you know, for those of you that are listening, you know, that's, that's your, that's your golden ticket is your reputation. You got to do whatever you can to, to make sure that, um, that you do nothing to tarnish your reputation. So, you know, you need to make sure you keep your word and your deadlines. Um, but also you need to be memorable. You need to be known for something. So people think to call you. Right. So um, that's the, another thing that people struggle with is they think that, Oh, I should be a Jack of all trades and I can do uh, workshop facilitation and executive coaching and internal communications and external communications and website development and, and, you know, or design. But that's just a laundry list of skills. That's not a way for a client to remember you. Um, so reputation has a lot to do with it. Are you saying people should narrow down their focus? Absolutely. Yeah, it's counterintuitive, but it's true. In fact, I lead a workshop as part of uh, PICA, that association that I run. Mm. Um, I used to call it Know Your Niche. Now it's <laughs> called Branding to Build Your Business. Um, because what I have found is the people that specialize get more work because they're easier to remember. And so I've been representing consultants now for 10 years, not always the same 75. So over the years, I've probably represented 120 or so. And the ones that get more work are the ones that are very specific about what they do. Yeah. I tell people the same thing all the time. And I know that, and it's not just in the human resources industry, but in any, any industry, any. people think, oh, if I narrow down my niche, I'm missing all this other work that's outside that focus. And they almost panic about that. So how, how do you convince people? I just say try it, right? So, you know, you can always go, you can always change your LinkedIn profile on your website and go back to the laundry list of skills. Yes. But so here's an example. So I've been preaching this about knowing your niche for several years now. Um, and so I was on vacation a couple of years ago uh, with my teenage daughter and she was asleep in the car and I'm driving, driving, driving. Hmm. And I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, I ought to practice what I preach. At that time, Proco Consultant represented all kinds of consultants. We had supply chain consultants, uh -huh. um, financial operations consultants, you know, all kinds of different specialties. And I came back from vacation. I said, I'm going to narrow Proco's niche to focus on human capital services. Um, and so I had conversations with all those other non-human capital services consultants. And I said, you know, if you have contracts, I'll still help you. But we're really going to start going to market just as HR. And business has been booming ever since. And I didn't even announce it. I didn't, I didn't do anything on LinkedIn. I didn't, I didn't send any emails out. I just quietly redid our website and psychologically clean, you know, shifted my focus and, and business has been better than ever. That's fascinating. And also there are other decisions you probably don't even think about, such as if I'm going to write a blog post, I could write about supply chain or I could write yes. about my niche. Exactly. You were talking about when you, were, uh, you got your solo, your first solo work and then you needed to partner up with someone, vast majority of uh, consultants and consultancies would think, uh, in terms of a partnership model and the next bit of work, if I need to uh, partner up with someone, I'll find them again, bring them back on, do that job and then go back to being solo. But you took a different path. You went, hang on, I could expand this as a business uh, where I'm not just partnering people, but I'm actually bringing them on board as, as part of the 
I don't know whether you'd call a company because they're consultants acting. I'm not sure how you've structured it, but do you know what I mean? You've taken a different path as opposed to partnering. Well, it's not quite different. So so the the other thing that makes Proco Consulting unique is that all of our talent is freelance talent. They're all their self-employed, their own small, their own micro businesses. Okay. So, so even though when I did that first project and I brought somebody on to help me with it under the Proco Consulting umbrella, when the project was over, she was not my employee. She was never my employee. Um, but we maintained a relationship and a couple, I don't know, a while later, I said I had another piece of work that was in her sweet spot, you know, in her core, her yeah. core area. And I, I said, hey, are you interested in doing this work through Proco again? So it's not like building a boutique agency where I actually have these employees. And the reason, I'll be completely transparent here, the reason I did not want to do that model is I thought it would be too stressful. Mm. I do not want the responsibility of trying to keep these people fed, right? <laughs> I do not, it's too much work. <laughs> so, and I, and over the years, right, I've talked to a lot of people that have sort of taken the Proco flexible approach, right? Where they, they land a big piece of work they bring in people to help with that work. And it's very clear to everybody that this is just about this project. Yeah. And when it's over, we'll all go our separate ways again. So I think this happens more and more frequently, particularly as more and more people are self-employed, right? They come together on ad hoc teams. Sometimes it's under one master contract. Like in my case, it would be under Proco Consulting's master contract. But sometimes they'll just be two separate businesses serving one client at the same time. I was wondering that. So do they go in and, and say, oh, hello, I'm from Proco Consulting, or do they say I'm from ABC Consulting, but I'm working under the Proco banner for this project? For Proco, it, everybody knows, like the clients know, that Proco's handling the master contract, but everybody is self-employed. Okay, so, so I don't care if somebody goes in and says, you know, I'm represented by Proco, but my company name is Middleton yeah. Consulting. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Most boutique firms are not. <laughs> oh, okay. Most boutique firms just want their brand yeah. to be the one that's front and center. Um, but what, with more and more people being self-employed in, the, in, these, in these super small solopreneurships, some is a word sometimes people use, <laughs> yeah. you know, these little one-person consulting shops, when they get a big project and you can't do it yourself, so then you're faced with a choice do I want to bring people on as employees? Do I want to bring people on as subcontractors? And in the United States, that's actually a legal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, or do I just want to refer, tell the client, hey, this is more that I can handle. We're going to need help to handle this other piece of work. I can help you find somebody. Do you want them to contract directly to you? So the advantage by doing it that way is you don't get caught up in all the back office administration and paperwork and all that nightmare. Not everybody wants to do that. The disadvantage is you're losing an opportunity on markup. So obviously if you're running Taylor advisory services and you bring in um, John Smith mm-hmm. to, to help you and your John is billing through your Taylor advisory services, you're going to take, you're going to add percentage onto that yeah. and you, you, sh- you should because you're spending your own time and resources to represent him and handle his payments and all that other stuff. Um, so, so that's the, why a lot of people do it that way, why they have them come in under their, um, their business because they can make money off of him. Yeah. Um, 
but but it depends. I mean, if you I talked to somebody just last week who said, you know, I did that on my last project and I hated it. I spent the whole time just taking care of these three people that were subcontracting to me and handling their paperwork and all their uh, overseeing their work. I wasn't doing any hands-on consulting myself, and I don't want to do that again. Sure. So it kind of you know you have to you have to think about you know what's my business model. What do I want to be doing? How do I want to be making money? What do I enjoy doing? Um, so there's lots of different ways to grow, to grow your business. Definitely. So what are your main marketing channels these days? Uh, still word of mouth and referrals. Great. Because and one of the reasons one of the reasons that this works is the reputation thing that I already talked about. Uh, but also, I think when somebody's going to hire a consultant, um, there's a little bit of risk involved or a lot of risk involved for them. So let's say that you're a vice president of marketing and you need to hire a digital marketing consultant. You could do a search on LinkedIn or a Google search or whatever, but you don't know the quality of that person. You don't know what their ethics are. So you're likely to ask someone you know and trust, hey, do you know a good digital marketing consultant? Because not only do you want to make sure you're getting somebody that's, that's good and has good ethics and that you know and trust, but it's also that VP has a little bit of their reputation on the line because they already got the approval for the spend, usually, to spend the money. And they don't want to have somebody come in and flub it up because yeah. that's going to make the vice president look bad. So that's why, the, particularly for consultants, I think a word of mouth has a lot to do with it. Definitely. What's your advice to HR consultants on how to land the big fish, the big clients, the VPs that you mentioned? Yeah. So um, I'm a huge believer that consulting is a relationship business and you need to, my advice is to build trusting relationships and sometimes that takes time. So, and it's building relationship is different than selling the work. Um, So let me tell you a little story about how um, we landed a $400,000 contract last year for one, for one person. Nice. So th- that's a huge flipping project, right? Okay. Granted like 75,000 of it was in travel expenses, but um, let's say it's a $300,000 project. Yeah. How, how we won this project. And I, I was so curious about this. I actually went through my emails and dissected like, how did, how did we reach this point? I was introduced to a guy five years ago who at the time was like a director of HR at, I don't remember, Warner Brothers or something. Right. And we had an initial conversation, but we never, we never met in person. We connected on LinkedIn and that was it. Um, then I noticed, I've, I used LinkedIn notifications faithfully. Then I noticed he had left Warner Brothers and he had gone to another company, this time as a senior director of HR. I'm like, hey, Andy, congratulations on your promotion. You know, that's terrific. One of these days we really need to get together in person for a cup of coffee. <laughs> okay. Then another year later it goes by or whatever, and he gets another job or he gets a promotion. And so I pinged him again. I'm like, God, this is, you know, terrific. Let me know if you ever need any consulting help. Um, eventually he became the chief human resource officer for Cedar sinai Medical Medical Centers in Los Angeles. It's huge, huge medical company in LA and he sent me a LinkedIn message and he says, Liz, because of course I congratulated him on the getting the top job. He sent me an email a couple weeks, a couple months later. And he says, Liz, finally got the lay of the land here and I need help. Do you have a consultant that can, that specializes in HR transformation? And I said, yes, let's have a conversation. Um, 
and that's how it came together. But it took five years. Five years. Wow. Five years. But it was a $300,000 contract for that guy. Yeah. So, you know, Proco got its agency fee on top of that. Um, but it was all because I, I had just over time just built this relationship with Andy to the point where he felt safe enough to say, hey, I need help. Do you know anybody? That's fantastic. And I've worked that out. That's $60,000 per year. In, uh... Yeah. <laughs> and considering I still have not met Andy in person, I think it's, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. You so definitely I, owe him that coffee, by the way. Yeah, I do. And I actually, just before this call, I was on LinkedIn and I was looking for a consultant with a certain background. And I saw somebody's name that I had worked with actually at Clorox in 2011. So, you know, eight years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now she's vice president. Yeah. So I literally sent her a message on LinkedIn and I'm like, I said something like, um, hey, I just came across your profile while I was looking for somebody else. It feels like 20 years ago we worked together on that Atlas project. Um, I hope this note finds you happy and well. Take care. Brilliant. That's all I did. So, but now she's going to remember, oh yeah, Liz is the person that does that organizational change consulting. Or she looks at my LinkedIn profile and she's like, wow, look at all the stuff Liz is doing now. Uh, but either way, it's about keeping your name fresh in people's minds and building those relationships. So do you ever send messages, LinkedIn or email or otherwise, that say, hello, this is what I do and you should use our service? Uh, that's a trick question. <laughs> I, I lead a workshop as part of, of, of PICA yeah. um, for, called Business Development for Independent Consultants. And I do encourage people to reach out. But there's a certain way, in the way you just mentioned, but there's a way to do it where it's not like, I'm desperate for work, right? There's a way to do it where it's like, like, Hey, I wanted to let you know yeah. last year I stepped out on my own. I'm specializing in these types of projects. Um, if you or anybody, you know, um, you know, needs, needs help in these areas, just keep me in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And so actually there's a going, way to do it without being desperate. True. And going back to your advice on narrowing down your niche, your focus, if people do that, that's an opportunity to go back to the network and say, guess what? There's been a bit of a change. I now specifically focus on this yes. area. Which yes, exactly. Else, yeah. Yeah. And, or uh, if you update your website or your, uh, every shifted your focus, that's a perfect opportunity to reach out. And it doesn't have to be people from the last year either. I'm telling people to go back through your network five, seven years, right? Yeah. And say, Hey, it's been a while. Um, just wanted to let you know that this is, you know, this is what I'm doing now and I'm really excited. So I'm telling everybody and let's reconnect sometime and have a cup of coffee. Sure. And I've just made a note here to look for someone you've known for five years and ask for a 300 K project. So <laughs> thank you for that one. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> I do like to be direct, but maybe not that direct. Uh, going back to some of the other questions, have you noticed any trends in what kind of HR related consulting work is more in demand these days? Uh, yes, actually. There's areas of expertise or specific project-related work that companies can't really afford to have somebody on staff full-time in-house to do that. Right. So, for example, org design or yeah. leadership development or, um, you know, leading a strategic change effort. Um, so those are, those are the easy types of HR consulting that companies can reach out for because they can't afford the person in, in, inside. Um, also, I was seeing a lot more demand for in the States for the comp and benefits, benefits yes. consulting, yep. uh, which, is, which is harder because, because there's a lot of big firms that do that. It's a very uh, data-driven uh, niche. Yeah. Um, 
When you say comp and benefit, do you mean executive, executive, yeah, executive compensation, total, this we call it total rewards. Yeah. Um, And I, I, so I have seen more requests for for that type of work as well. Okay. Many people who leave the corporate world, as you did, a lot of people I've been speaking to, they find it hard to position themselves in the best way when they become an independent HR consultant. We've talked a little bit about positioning, but what's your advice on how to choose their area of focus? Yeah, well, you got to stick with what you know, for one thing, because nobody's going to refer you to somebody if you, if you don't hit it out of the park, right? Yeah. So, um, so let's say my, my specialty, I used to lead um, the change management efforts on global technology implementations like SAP or Oracle or whatever. Right. Now, could I do other things like facilitate a two-day offsite? Yes, because I was a you know, well-trained, good consultant. But was that what I really did well? That was not, that was not my sweet spot. So, um, so I would tell a client, yeah, I could do this for you, but really that's not my core strength. Let me, you know, let me put you in touch with Sarah Larson because she's, she's a rock star doing those sort of things. Yeah. So, um, so, so one is like, you gotta, you gotta play to your strength. The one thing that I, I do see um, people who come, what I call from industry or from inside corporations, when they go out into consulting I see them struggle a little bit more than people who come from consulting firms. Okay. People who, people who were in a consulting firm like Accenture or Deloitte or McKinsey, whatever, when they step out to be an independent consultant, they, they have a leg up on it because they have the experience and practice of scoping the work and managing that scope. Mm. That's, a, that's, that's critical when you're a self-employed consultant or even a boutique firm, right? Because as consultants, it's our nature to want to please the client. But <laughs> if they've hired you to do A, B, and C, and then they say, oh, we also need you to do D and E, yeah. you're either going to be spread too thin yeah. or you're going to end up doing work that you're not being paid for. Yes. So there's a way to answer those questions and say, gee, I'd, I'd love to help you with that. Um, it's not within our, cert, our, you know, our, our current statement of work, our current scope. Let's have a conversation about what what it would take for me to have to do that for you. Yeah. So that's one thing that people struggle with when they come from from companies. And then the other is, I think people just struggle with how do I get started? Like, do I need to name my company? Do I need to form a corporation? Do I need to do the website first? Do I how, what you know? How do I fill out? How do I figure out my billing rates? What do I need to do first? So actually, once a month now through the association Pika. I lead a workshop called how to get started at independent consulting. <laughs> I wonder what that does. <laughs> and it's just $39, right? So you don't even have to be a member. Nice. Um, and it's, um, and I, and, and literally forming your company or doing your website is like not even one of the top three things I recommend. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I made that mistake but, years ago. Yeah. People get, people get all caught up in like and yeah. uh, uh, the, the details that aren't really going to help them when they work. But the easiest thing to do if you're just starting out is to just subcontract subcontract to a big, a big consulting firm or to a regional boutique firm or, um, but let somebody else worry about the contracting and the insurance and the business structure. So you can just focus on what it's like to be in a consulting capacity. Um, and then, my other piece of advice, of course, is to check out PICA, the Professional Independent Consultants of America, mm-hmm. because the whole reason we started PICA was to help 
people launch and run and be successful as their own consulting business. So everything you need is, is there at Pika. Um, so anyway, the URL is pikanetwork.org. I know that this podcast was more about my, the Proco business, uh, but it was because I got so many requests as a result of, of launching Proco and representing those consultants all those years. I was getting asked out to coffee two, three times a week saying, Hey, I'm thinking about going independent or, you know, I'm, I, I decided to go independent. How, can you help me with my branding? Or, and finally I realized, okay, there's gotta be a better way to help people than just having coffee three times a week. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we even, that's why we created Pika. It was created by independent consultants for independent consultants. And, and so, okay, that's I'll get, I'll, st- I'll stop the advertising. No, no, now. You, I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm nodding. That's why I started my website and blog for the exact same reason. So. Yeah. Let's, let's turn to the HR industry itself. It, it continues to evolve at a rapid rate. What change and challenges do you see now and into the future? I don't follow the HR industry on a worldwide basis, but here in the States, and I suspe- suspect this might be true in Australia and other countries as well, mm. is more and more people are leaving full-time jobs to be self-employed. So one of the biggest trends and challenges for the HR industry is how to effectively and in the U.S. legally, find and engage this extended workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, in the United States, it's particularly common because of our legal nonsense. Um, but but it's it's all it's becoming so much more fluid, like ad hoc teams of people coming together to solve certain problems and do certain things, and then they disperse again. Um, it's a little bit it's a little bit like the gig economy, but I don't want to call it the gig economy because. A gig economy now is starting to mean you're an Uber driver yeah. um, or something or something like that. But this is more about the fluid, I call it the fluid workforce, where, where people are coming together as teams. Some of them are employees. Some of them are not employees. They're contractors or consultants, and they're solving that problem. And then they're, 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 they're pulling apart again and we're moving on to the next thing. So that, how do, that's the challenge for HR is how do we, how do we harness talent that's not internal to us. It's not our employee base. And how do we do that fluidly and legally? That's, that's the challenge I'm seeing. Sure. It's only going to grow. All right. Have you got any tips on interesting people, websites, tools, podcasts, books, whatever, that HR businesses and consultants should check out to grow faster? Obviously a, a lot, but I've narrowed it down to three. Okay. Well, besides Pika, of course. Okay. So um, my, my latest thing that I am so excited about discovering is a company called Website by Tonight. Um, and that's all one word, websitebytonight.com. Mm-hmm. This company will help small businesses and individual consultants create their website in a matter of hours. Nice. They actually screen share. You have to fill out the prep sheet, right? Which is like, what's your service areas and what are you, you know, what are your words and you know, that, that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. they build it with you. You get online. You sit there for two hours. They do all the whiz-bang tech stuff. And you say, no, no, I want that color. No, put the picture to the right. Um, and it's done. And it's only like $850. Wow. It's fantastic. Okay, so that's website by tonight. But they've um, chosen a niche, by the way. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. That is a niche. He, the guy that started that company used to do websites for small businesses or like boutique agencies, yep. like, you know, fancier bells and whistles kind of things. And he got so many requests. For, for solo business owners, he's like, hey, wait, there's a better way to do this. Yeah. So there you go, website by tonight. Um, the other, I have, um, I have a book and a person 
Huh? Well, kind of both. Um, my favorite non-HR and actually non-consulting book that I have read in the last year is called To Sell is Human by Daniel H. Pink. Oh, it, sounds yes. like it's, it sounds like it's a book for salespeople, but it's not about selling. It's about persuasion. Persuasion, yeah. All consultants are need to be, be able to persuade people um, or get them to at least listen to your ideas. I actually picked up a parenting tip out of that book with how to negotiate with my teenage daughter. Cool. So um, I've been a huge fan of Daniel Pink for years, ever since he wrote um, Drive or something. No. Yeah. And even before Drive, it was um, okay. Anyway, his first book back in like 2001. Okay. So that's To Sell as Human is awesome. And then that's a great other, tip. The other person that, I, that I'm a big fan of and that I follow faithfully, and I love his most recent book, it, the book is called The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients, long title, and it's by David A. Fields. David A. Fields is, um, is just a master at taking small boutique companies to the next level. And um, this book, Guide to Winning Clients, uh, is full of so many practical and useful tips. And it's, he's got a terrific sense of humor too. Um, but I'm, I'm telling everybody that you gotta get, you gotta get this book. That's fantastic. It's a great name too. <laughs> David A. Fields. <laughs> well, the, the irresistible consultants. Oh, the irresistible consultants. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. You've given us so much information and tips and ideas. So thank you very much for all of that. Um, what if people want to get in touch with you or learn more, uh, about some of the things you've been talking about. What are the best ways to do that? Okay, to learn more about what I've been talking about. So Proco Consulting is P-R-O-K-O consulting.com. Uh, and that you can learn about the two-sided market and you know poke around our website to see how we approach that on our website. But we don't, we don't represent new consultants unless they've been personally referred to us. Right. Um, and that then... Uh, but the other company, the other association that I run, the Professional Independent Consultants of America. Okay, first of all, I got to say, naming a business with seventeen syllables was probably not a good idea. So, um, so Pika, uh, that URL is pikanetwork.org, or if you type in independentconsulting.org, it'll get you there too. Okay. And there's there's things that we do through Pika. There's a lot of information on that website that's free to the public and non-members. Uh, and we do offer three workshops for $39 each so people can try, you know, try Pika and see if it's useful for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, earlier today, I did a workshop called How to Optimize Your LinkedIn Profile for Independent Consulting. And it was literally a workshop where we looked at each other's LinkedIn profiles and said, okay, this could be better. That headline's terrible. This looks cheesy. I mean, this is literally the feedback I was telling these people. And, and, um, but they'd signed up for the workshop. This is what they wanted. He's like, this is great. I love this. <laughs> Nobody would give me the honest truth about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, that's what, that's what Pika does. And um, also another way um, to, you know, I'm on Twitter, Liz for consultants and whatever, but uh, I also write a blog once a month huh? and that's called successful independent consulting.com. Um, in fact, I'm about to publish another blog today and, and that's got loads of information in it too. You can sort on different categories. You can sort on branding and marketing, business development, billing rates. Um, anyway, there's tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff there. And that, that blog, successfulindependentconsulting.com. I've noted that. That will go into the show notes. That's 
<laughs> That's great. Well, Liz, thank you very much for all of the, all the information you've shared with us and really enjoyed all of this. So thank you very much for your time. Well, Ben, thank you. I'd like, I mean, as you can tell, I get really excited about helping people be successful because when, when I literally fell into independent consulting in 2004, I did my taxes that year and I was like, holy smokes, I made more money. I worked fewer hours. I had less stress. I saved more for retirement. Everybody should be doing this but not everybody knows how. And so that's why I just get so excited to, to help people however I can. That's great. So for everyone listening, it, it is possible you can do it. Uh, and Liz has shared some information on how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right, Liz, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll talk again soon, but for the moment, thanks and goodbye. Thanks, Ben. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.